Hey there, welcome to Above Board with Canderpath. I am Rich and I am doing a solo podcast today. I want to chat with you all about something, talking about the mastery of success or the fact that there's no easy way to success, mastering our craft, all that kind of fun stuff. You know, when you think about it, success is something many of us aspire to achieve, uh, whether it's in our personal lives or our professional lives. But oftentimes we might find ourselves looking for shortcuts or quick fixes to reach our goals. But I want to delve into some of the concepts of becoming really good at your particular craft or how you become really good at a particular craft, whether you're talking about your business, whether you're talking about your fitness, whether you're talking about your finances, whatever it might be. Now, I've got some notes because I've got some quotes. I've got some notes because I got some quotes. I'm dropping bars on you. Look at me. I've got some notes because I have some quotes that I want to make sure I attribute to the right people. So I, I want to talk a little bit about this concept. First of all, I want to start by talking about the concept of the 10,000 hour rule. This was something that was popularized by author Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers. If you haven't read that book, it's actually an outstanding book to read. I love that book. And what he suggests in it is that to become truly masterful at any particular field, any kind of endeavor, you've got to devote approximately 10,000 hours of focused practice and deliberate effort. Now, those are important words to understand. The rule is based on the idea that expertise of any sort is built through a kind of consistent and intentional focus of work, an intentional work over an extended period of time. But it, it's not just about the time. And a lot of people focus on the 10,000 hours. It's not just about if you read the book and, and if you really delve into the research behind it, it's not just spending a lot of time doing something but it's really about the deliberate practice. And I'll, I'll kind of elaborate a little bit on that, but deliberate practice, if you will, is kind of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Uh, it, it's not just mindlessly repeating tasks. So, I mean, hypothetically, let's say that you wanted to get really good at, at speaking. One would not say that you spend 10,000 hours just talking to yourself in the mirror, just reading a speech over and over again. While maybe that could help you in some ways, it could certainly help you memorize something, right? I think the concept is a, a deliberate effort. So let's say you want to get good at public speaking and you've created a talk that you want to do on how to sell the most ice cream sandwiches from an ice cream truck. I have no idea where that came from, but let's just say that's what it is. You would practice this specific speech with a deliberate effort focused on a certain certain stories focused on a certain tempo a certain cadence things that you want to say pauses that you want to do over and over again think about actors especially actors of stage certainly theater movie actors or tv actors and actresses have to do something similar but stage acting is very very specific when you think about it. if you've ever seen a play there's really no opportunity for a retake. You know, like you can't say, let's shoot that again. Let's do another, uh, no, you're up there. You mess up, you mess up. You got to keep going. So stage actors, they'll not only memorize the script, but they'll memorize pauses. They know from experience that at this particular point of comedy, let's say the audience is going to laugh. You know, I know when I'm delivering talks that I do, and I've, I've spent well over 10,000 hours, probably at this point, a million hours, and, and I love it. 
but I know with certain stories that I tell, there might be a sad story or um, something that is emotional. And I will need to build in a deliberate kind of pause or a thoughtful way of break. So it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's making sure that it's not like a mindless repeat of tasks. Okay. So get that through your head. 10,000 hours of getting great at something or mastering your craft isn't just doing this thing mindlessly over and over again. So you'd want to be honing specific skills, right? And then you'd want to continuously strive for improvement. So you're, you're, if you're doing free throws in basketball, I don't think that's just a mindless, just throwing the ball at them. No, you're, you're being very deliberate about how you're using your hands or how you're using your body. Okay. So a deliberate practice would involve dedication. It would involve discipline. And then also being able to face like the kind of challenges that, that you might have that, that you're looking at. So because we live in such a fast paced world, everybody wants to get quick results. Okay. So a lot of times when, when you talk to somebody and, and you say, you know, what would be your dream level of success? A lot of people like want to win lotto. Okay. So, you know, your chances of getting struck by lightning are way higher than winning lotto, right? But this whole concept of quick success, and we're fooled a lot by what we see on Instagram and TikTok and all sorts of social media. People pose a lot. You know, there's people posing with cars that they don't really own and standing next to private jets that they really didn't charter and in front of yachts that they're never going to set foot on. And to the outside world, that looks real. I mean, you could go into a Louis Vuitton store and put on the latest Louis Vuitton purse, hold it, kind of pose yourself in a certain way, take a selfie or your friend, and you'd be like, oh, I love my new $10,000 purse. But it's not real. But if you post on Instagram, a lot of people would think it's real. I did this actually as a joke. I, I really dear friends that work with Ferrari, and I happened to be at you know Ferrari here in in the city where I live, and uh, we were there for a party. We were invited. We got to go, and and I I took a selfie. I took a picture with this beautiful Ferrari, and said, "Which color do you think I should pick?" Right. And, or, you know, I'm, I'm building the interior. What should I do? And, and it was just to be lighthearted and funny, but I was also doing it to kind of test. And there was a number of people that now, including my own brother to my brother, Bob, who I love so much, he actually test, texted me and said, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you, bro. I, you know, take me, I'm like, bro, I, I am so glad you think I'm so successful that I'm buying a $350,000 car, but I'm just at the dealership. I'm just taking a picture with it. But to the world who's so used to fast paced and instantaneous and quick results, they expect that it just happens overnight, but that is not that's that's just not how it goes. It's rarely achieved overnight. The the term overnight success is so silly. It it, it it's the silliest thing in the world. As if somebody really got up and the very first time they ever sang at some karaoke bar, they've never sung before, never practiced, never took a music lesson, never had a vocal lesson. And they get up at a karaoke bar and they sing, you know, some journey song. And all of a sudden they're, 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 they become a, somebody in the audience is a manager and, and they get signed to a record deal. It doesn't happen that way. It might look like that. And the story might sound like that, but the truth is even behind that moment were hours of deliberate practice of practicing that song of practicing their vocal exercises, et cetera. It takes time, time to develop expertise, to build a strong foundation and to also overcome obstacles along the way. The, the process also of striving for success in and of itself is where the valuable lessons and where you gain the necessary experience to become masters of your craft. That's where that lives. You know, if you think about it, the journey, the journey is where we learn. 
where we grow, where we discover our true potential, maybe even in some ways our true selves. And it's also the journey is where you develop resilience. It's where you learn from failures and how you cultivate skills, if you will, that are necessary for you to excel. It's the journey. It's it's actually going through the process. And I'll talk a little bit about the idea of failure, but often the most fulfilling part, if you will, of a journey is the personal growth you experience. So even just striving, that journey of trying to become a master of your craft, whatever it is, you want to be the best leader in your company. You want to be the best consultant. You want to be the best nurse. You want to be the best teacher that you can be. That journey is where you experience some of the greatest joy, uh, the growth along that way, rather than just the end result. I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe to a lot of people, we look at everything like the, the Super Bowl. Whoever wins the Super Bowl, they're they're the champion. Whoever wins the heavyweight title, they're they're the best. And I get it. You know, I'm not talking about participation trophies here. But man, if you're a fighter in in a heavyweight championship fight, you know, if it's back in the day, you know, Ali and Foreman, let's say, or whoever you want to think about, whoever's your your era of boxer, if you're in that ring, you got you earned that place. And and that journey, you became somebody. You, you, you grew into somebody. So let's not underestimate the power in your journey to become masterful at something in what you learn along the way. Even if you fall short initially of where you want to be, you're a real estate agent and you want to sell $10 million of real estate. And previously you've sold $4 million of real estate. So you want to more than double your sales goal. And by the end of the year, you've moved from four to 7.4. And you might be like, man, I, I, I failed or I did. I mean, did you, or did you double, did you almost double? Did you grow? What did you learn going from four to 7.8? Because then maybe the next year, that's when you hit the 10 because you had to take the journey. You had to start mastering certain skills, get better at showing your houses, get better at advertising or marketing or, or connecting or, or resources or networking or whatever it might be. So it's a big part of this is, is the journey. A big part is, is the journey. So if you want to talk about, and here's where I got some of my quotes, I've, I've, I'm moving some papers around. Sorry about that. You know, thinking about this, I'd want to give you something that's actionable because this is going to be a short podcast. And, and I love whenever I listen to podcasts about something, I, I love philosophy. I love talking about concepts and ideas, but what do we do? So here's what, you, as I've taken some notes and done some reading and done some research, what I've written down, I would say are five actionable ways to maybe excel in your chosen field. And, and I'm going to support this with a little bit of maybe some research, if you will, or maybe some more quotes than research. So one of the first ways that I think you achieve mastery is to cultivate a growth mindset. Carol Dweck, a renowned psychologist said, Becoming is better than being. Becoming is better than being. So in other words, embracing a belief that your abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. You know, research does support the idea that people that have a growth mindset are more likely to persevere, overcome obstacles, and achieve mastery in their field. You have to understand that everything that you do starts with your mindset. You, you don't enter something 
where you'll be, let me say, you, you don't become successful at something entering it, believing that you're going to fail. I, I just, I don't believe that's possible. And when you look at this war that's raging in, in Ukraine, and you think about this supposed superpower, uh, Russia, invading this much smaller country. And you think about when you read the stories, you know, how, how, how they're, the tanks and the planes and the manpower of Russia, you know, they, these guys were saying, you know, three days, we're going to overthrow this country. It's been well over a year. And these brave people in Ukraine, no matter where, what you think about what's going on and whatever, but these brave people in Ukraine, their, their fight, their perseverance, their ability to fight back. And now they're on a, on a, on an offensive movement. They're not even defensive. They're fighting back. They're, they're coming back at them. I, I would imagine that these soldiers in the field are not entering the battle thinking, oh, well, they're going to beat us today. I, I, I just, I just don't believe that to be true. I, I think that any successful person starts with cultivating a growth mindset, a mindset of growth. I'm going to become more. I'm going to become better. I am bigger than this. And how do you do that? A lot of it's how you talk to yourself, but it does start with how you think. Literally just doing that every morning. Again, whatever you want to be good at. People listening to this might be a thousand different things. You want to be the best you know, ballroom dancer in the world. You don't wake up in the morning thinking like, I hate dancing. I hate this music. I hate these costumes. Why do I have to wear these tight pants? I look ridiculous, which you would never think because who doesn't look amazing in those tight pants for ballroom dancing? I know I do. Just kidding. I don't. But when you think about it, it's got to be that mindset of, I've got this. I love this. I, I'm going to embrace getting better and learning more about my craft. So I would start there. Growth mindset. The second, I would say, is what we just talked about, that idea of deliberate practice. As I mentioned earlier, Anders Erickson, a psychologist, and those of you that have ever taken like Psy 101 in college have probably heard, heard about him. He's considered an expert on expertise. That is a good, like, if you're going to be an expert at something, be an expert on expertise, right? I mean, for sure. Here's his quote. The right sort of practice carried out over a sufficient period of time leads to improvement. Nothing else. Listen to that again. The right sort of practice carried out over a sufficient period of time leads to improvement. Nothing else. This is the expert on expertise. So that deliberate practice that we spoke about, that's about setting specific goals. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to sell this much. I'm going to save this much. I'm going to lose this much weight. I'm going to gain this much weight. I'm going to bench press this much. I'm going to shorten my mile from a 17-minute mile to a 14-minute mile. Receiving feedback, talking to the people around you and saying, how do you think I did? practicing that speech that you want to give in front of somebody, you know, give me some feedback. What could I have done better? Was that funny? Did you understand that story? What did you think of that quote? If, if you're trying to get better at, at, I don't know, you know, a, a sport, having somebody watch you or videotaping, did I just say videotaping? I just, I just gave my age away. You can always tell when someone my age is talking about recording because we say videotaping. Nothing is on videotape anymore. I realize that. Recording, okay? Recording yourself doing something. Let's say just casually you want to be a better golfer. I've never really played golf in my life, but I would assume that there's a lot to the swing, how you hold the club, how you position. I would imagine recording yourself with your swing and then maybe showing it to someone, a coach or, or a golf pro or somebody that can kind of work with you or meeting with them in person. 
also pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. You know, improving specific aspects of any craft, of doing anything is always about consistently challenging yourself, making sure that you're pushing yourself just to the point where it's a little bit uncomfortable. I, my 14-year-old my son and I were in the gym yesterday and we were doing back and biceps. And I showed him this exercise. Many of you who work out or go to the gym might know about this exercise called 21s. It's a bicep exercise. And, and those of you that we don't really post a lot of this on YouTube, but we do, but you can't see me, but I would show you if I could picture holding a barbell and it's 21. So it's three sevens rep, three repetitions of seven. The first repetition is going from a down position to mid to like midway. So let's just say from your waist to your hips, you do seven. Then the next seven are from your chest up to like your chin area, right? So now you're midway up, you do seven. And then the last seven is from the bottom all the way up. So full range of motion, seven. Right now, I will flex for you. There I am. Right now, my biceps, that actually hurt. My biceps are so sore. I pushed myself out of my comfort. We normally do a few different exercises, but this pushing out of your comfort is what leads to growth. It's what leads to mastery. So let's say I'll I'll go back to speaking because it's something that I know about and a lot of people stress out about. Let's say you're comfortable speaking in front of a few people, but outside of your comfort zone would be speaking to 20 or more people. So maybe you volunteer at at your church or your synagogue or your your temple or your mosque where you're going to do a presentation or a community center where you're going to do a presentation in front of 30 or 40 strangers. And this pushes you out of your comfort level. You do that enough, then you start to grow. I would say the third way after that, so we we have the first two, so we have the growth mindset, we've got deliberate practice. I would say the third way is embracing failure. Here's a quote for you. Thomas J. Watson Sr., the founder of IBM. I wonder how Thomas J. Watson Sr. feels about IBM. IBM, that's a, that was a gigantic company, still is, I guess. If you want to increase your success rate, double your failure rate. I got to tell you, when I saw that quote, it made me uncomfortable because I don't like to fail. I, I, I dread failure. That stresses me out. That speaks to all the voices inside of our heads from the time you were a child where if you had a critical parent or a, a difficult teacher or, or a coach that was not kind to you or whatever, that, that idea of failure for most of us is counterintuitive to success. But listen to this quote again. If you want to increase your success rate, Double your failure rate. Research shows that failure is an essential part of the learning process. You learn from when you fail. You can't let setbacks discourage you. View them as sort of opportunities to learn, uh, adjust your approach. And then ultimately, when you do that, you improve your craft. A lot of us are so afraid of, of failing. And because we're afraid of failing, we become afraid of trying, right? Don't let your fear of failure turn into a fear of trying, a fear of attempting, a fear of moving. If you are in fear of failure, you don't do anything. You stay steady. You don't change. You don't grow. You don't push yourself. You know, if you only said, I'm only going to do three pushups, I can do three pushups. I'm afraid of doing five because it's going to make me sore and I don't like being sore. No, man, you push yourself and then you only do four. Oh man, I only did four. Great. You did one more than you did yesterday. Don't allow your fear of failure to turn into a fear of trying, a fear of effort, a fear of movement. You can't do that. You learn from when you fail. You learn, listen, you become a better parent. 
You become a better leader. You become a better whatever it is, a better athlete by learning from when you messed up. Also from learning from the people around you that messed up. I would say the fourth, and once you've got that fear of failure and you think about that and you just kind of push yourself into that, the fourth is going to be so obvious that maybe you might even roll your eyes, but this is what I've studied and what I believe in. It's a strong work ethic. I funny because I always joke around with John and Matt about how I'm not really that into sports. I'm not a big sports person, but I've got to tell you that I, I've learned over the years that that sports are, is a great way to kind of encapsulate, you know, success and striving and pushing yourself. And I always, you know, I think about the quotes I've heard from Kobe Bryant. May, may he rest in peace. Seemed like just a beautiful soul. And Kobe Bryant always talked about staying later than everybody else and and practicing his shots over and over and coming in earlier than everybody else. And I've got to say that the people that I've seen become truly successful, they didn't luck into it. They didn't just, you know, just their nat- I've seen people with natural talent fail. You have too. You've seen people and it's it's a sad thing when you see someone in your own family or in your world that They've been gifted with this amazing natural talent. I don't know, whatever you want it to be. They're naturally gifted at being funny or talking to people or connecting with people or math or whatever it is, right? And they just don't put in the work. They just don't put in the effort. They don't, they don't put in those steps. They don't do it, the reps, if you will. You know, and you think about like a workout, it's putting in the reps. When I just told you about the 21s, I did three sets of that. I, I could barely move my arms. <laughs> And and it was putting in the reps, but I know conceptually that that work ethic over a period of time is what helps you to grow. Speaking of sports, Vince Lombardi, legendary football coach, the price of success, he said, is hard work, dedication to the job at hand, and the determination that whether we win or lose, we have applied the best of ourselves to the task at hand, whether we win or lose. This is a coach. He wants to win, but he also understands that whether we win or lose, whatever you define win or lose by, because let's say you want to become a good speaker and you define winning by just preparing a speech, doing it without you know falling over and getting off the stage and a couple of people clap. Maybe that's winning for you. Maybe winning for you after you've been doing this for a while is scoring a perfect nine or 10 or whatever. Maybe winning for you is getting a standing ovation, or maybe winning for you is having people come up to you after your talk and saying, that really changed me. That that impacted me. You changed my life. That, that's how I honestly, that's how I judge myself with what I do. I judge myself by how did I serve? What was the impact that I had on people? You can't go by feedback alone. I mean, feedback's super important, but rarely does somebody walk up to you when you speak, for example, and go, wow, you did a terrible job. That was the worst speech I've ever ever heard. Like that could happen. But normally people are pretty polite. You run into them as you walk down the hall. Great job. Nice speech. You can't walk out there going, I was the best in the world just based on that. But when somebody comes up to you and says, I just want you to know that story really impacted me. It reminds me of my own journey and it really got me to think. Or when you were talking about gratitude, I realized I have to be more grateful. Whether you win or lose, it's it's sometimes it's just about impact. Research will consistently show you that, you know, the obvious hard work, persistence are, are key factors, right? The, the, the 10,000 steps, the, the 10,000 hours, the 10,000 reps, putting in those necessary hours, staying committed and consistently showing up, just showing up, right? I, I said to my son, he was a little tired today. His legs are sore from a leg workout. 
And he said, I, I just don't feel like I did as, you know, as well as I normally do. I, I said, Hey bro, with the exception of getting injured, a bad day in the gym is better than no day in the gym. You know, a workout where maybe it wasn't your best workout. I mean, it's with the exception of being hurt or injuring yourself. I said, you're already doing better than a large percentage of the world who did zero exercise today. So kind of letting yourself feel that worthiness, if you will, I guess that's okay to say. And, and you get some feeling of worthiness by just putting in the hours, by showing up. If you showed up, that's you get points for that. I'm not big on participation trophies, but man, even when you're struggling, you're having a tough time, you're like, I showed up, I put in my hours, I did the best with what I had. It's kind of giving yourself that peace. And I I would say the fifth is really about how who you surround yourself with. I don't know if you have ever lift, listened to Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, probably one of the most unique motivational business speakers. A lot of people base their stuff on Jim Rohn, base their, I mean, honestly, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, who's, you know, a gazillionaire and has spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of millions of people, probably at this point, he, he credits Jim Rohn with a lot of his beginning stuff. I love this particular quote from Jim Rohn. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Listen, if you're a parent and you've got a kid, well, yeah, I guess if you're a parent, you have a kid, right? (laughs) You know, you're a parent, you've got kids, share that with them. Let them know that. It's something that's been very powerful, very powerful conversation I've had with my 14-year-old son. We've been talking a lot about that. And he's really been very vigilant about who he is spending most of his time with. And and I've noticed a change in him. And I've noticed that he said to me, dad, this quote's really changed me. Research indicates that the people we surround ourselves with will definitely impact our success and maybe even more important, our mindset. They will. Those negative Nancys, psychic vampires, those, you know, the, the bummers, the ones that are just like, oh God, another day, another dollar. I'm just living the dream. What do we get from those people? You know, there, there's a lot of research about complaining. Those people that complain a lot, they, they are drains on our energy. They are drains on our spirit. I would suggest that you seek out mentors. Connect with like-minded individuals. Find people that want to be good at what you want to be good at. You know, you want to be good at basketball and you go to the park and you see this, this, this one person who's just amazing. Just go, Hey man, do you mind if you like, just give me a couple of pointers or show me how you're doing that. That's all. I mean, however you want to do, however you feel comfortable. It's amazing how people, when they're asked about something they're passionate about or they're good, good at, they love to share. We, we, we think that people are going to be annoyed if you walk up to somebody in the gym and say, Hey, I don't mean to, you know, interrupt your workout, but you know, that particular chest exercise, you I've never seen it before. Could you just like, do you have three seconds? Could you show me that? I used to be a personal trainer and I can't tell you how many times when I would train clients, people would come up to me afterwards and just ask me a question. And quite frankly, that's how I built my client base was just giving people free information, sharing information with people, create a network around you that fosters growth, accountability, and encouragement. Those three are important. People around you that foster growth, they encourage you, they're pushing you, they're, they're, they're talking to you about being better, that they help you with accountability. Have an accountability partner, and, and that's something maybe with fitness that's really easy to do. Have somebody that you care about that you're going to text every day, did my run, went to the gym, did my yoga class. 
meditation. I, I, I really want to get better about meditating because I find the more that I meditate, the, the better I feel. And, and that's something that I'm working on, quote unquote, mastering. By the way, I don't know if you ever master meditation. Like I've talked to like meditation masters before they're called and they always say they have good days. They have days they don't feel like they landed it. But I've created a, a, a system of accountability where in my journal, I have an M that I write at the bottom of every day of my journal. And I get to circle it with a highlighter, sort of like this one I'm holding up, this orange highlighter. If I've meditated, I circle my M. And I feel really good when I do that. And it's how I kind of hold myself accountable. Sometimes like at the end of the day, I'll look at that M and it's not circled. And I'm like, I want to get that circle. It's like a little kid wanting to get a sticker, right? A gold, a gold star at the end of the day. But I believe that, that, that accountability, whether it's another person or ourselves is great. Surround yourself with a positive community. Uh, if you will build yourself a team, I think that's crucial. So th- those would be the, the five ways that I would talk to you about how we become a little bit better at mastering what we do. Rewind this, listen to it again, look up those quotes, listen to those quotes, maybe write some of them down. Think about what you do, how you do it, and how it impacts you in your life. There is no shortcut. There is no overnight success. Give yourself grace when you're not hitting the goals that you want to hit, but then also hold yourself accountable to try to be a little better today than you were yesterday. At the end of the day, it's all about forward momentum. If you're, you know, it's like Dory in, 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 in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. You know, give yourself points for doing that. I believe that we all show up to this world worthy. I believe we are born worthy. I believe we are people that are here for a reason and a purpose. And with all of these things that I just talked about, if you wrap them all around service, how are you serving others with what you do. I mean, maybe that's different with something that's more of a hobby thing like sports or golf or whatever. But even with that, I mean, as you get better at, at a sport, if you get better at free throws, then maybe the way that you serve others is you volunteer to coach at your kid's school or you help somebody else on the court that's not doing as well. I think there's always an opportunity to serve. And speaking of the concept of service, I just want to tell you how grateful we are here at Above Board with Canderpath being able to serve you, being able to bring you some information, have some chats with you that might help you to become a little bit better. I have a personal favor to ask. If you would please share this podcast with other people that you know like podcasts, it would mean a lot to us. We have really been just so fortunate to have this podcast and to build this community around us. So on behalf of myself and all of us at Above Board with Canderpath, Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a couple of ways that you could become a little bit better at what you do at mastering your craft. Till the next time, just remember, you're awesome. Have a great day. Take care and thank you.